and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Greetings from the recliner. Like at the uh, spots I had in Miami, I had nice little desk setups with good backdrops, but you know, the shoes and shit like that. But um, this place here don't really like have it like that. Like I haven't been able to really set it up to do such a thing. So I normally just do it over at the little dining table. I got set up over there, but I ain't feel like doing that today. So I decided I was going to sit over here in this recliner and do this. And what I mentioned, when I mentioned the recliner, I bring up the recliner because when I got this place in Miami, I got this kind of like fancy, bougie kind of recliner. Like you look in the back, it don't look like it's a recliner. And it's a comfortable recliner. Don't get me wrong. But let me tell you something, man. It is, and I know the technology has improved over the years, but it's like the better looking your recliner is, the less of a recliner it is. Like that don't even like fit the the purpose of this. Like this recliner I got, man, like it got arms, but the arms are wood. And you know, it's not a problem, but it ain't that like comfortable, cushy. Ugh. But I ain't really have a setup where I was trying to like have the recliner that I really wanted to be at a place where people could see it. That makes sense. It's, 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 it's a bit of the, the, the dilemma of the world of the recliner uh, once you get a little bougie with yours. Cause see, that's the thing about it, man. Before you get bougie with yours, um, the recliner is in line with all the other shit you got at the house. You know, a little different place at that point. But anyway, I just thought I'd uh, say a little something in that regard. I went to Miami last week. Um, and I guess I feel like I've gone out of town into some fairly decent places, but man, New York will get you. Like, there's a certain expenditure of energy that comes from just like simply living in New York. And so I went down and did HQ, but I also had to go see the dentist because I'm still getting my orthodontics on. That being said, look at all this progress. Hey, look at all that progress. Um, but uh, yeah, so. I um, went down there, did like to get the massage, a little post up in the sun. Man, that was a game changer because I'd never been to Miami until I lived in Miami. So I've never had the experience of leaving wherever it is that you are to just go to Miami for like two or three days. Damn, I totally see why y'all love it. Like living in Miami, I got like a little bit of a glimpse of why y'all love it. But I lived in Miami and I contend that Miami ain't really like for living in that way. Man, I came back here feeling like a million bucks. Yeah, somebody said, I look refreshed. I am refreshed. Got a little sunlight, skin kind of gleaming and shining, blanging on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was a it was a good little setup. Got to go down, see my man Poppy. That's always a winner, you know, all that. Anyway, I normally start this thing with, like, some level of story or something that has uh, happened in my life. And um, I don't really have no fun ones. Although I did have a first time. For, oh, this I can tell you. This is kind of fun. I don't think there's a question here in here about this. But yesterday, I went to a meeting for um, a television show that I'm going to be working on with my good buddy, Pablo Torre. We had our first meeting with the entire staff. And hey, man, uh, that's kind of dope. I know many of you are thinking, well, Gee, Bomani, 
when's the show going to start? It was supposed to start in January. And what I can tell you is, I know when the show is going to start. But yeah, it was supposed to start in January. Don't worry. We aight. We working on it. It's about to get there. And I think it's going to be fire. Like, just, just so you know, I think it's going to be fire. Now, it might not be fire, right? Like, I'm one person. I got my one opinion. Some of y'all might think it's fire and it's not actually fire. And the masses will say that it is not fire and it will then be rejected. But from where I'm sitting and like looking around that room and the people I know in it and what they can do, I can just tell you, I think it's going to be fire. I just can't really answer no whole lot of questions about it. I don't work in the question answering department. Like the way these sorts of operations work is there is like a question answering department and they decide are we answering the question and if they say we are answering the question then the question answering department like filters that information down to everybody else that's there and then we operate you know from that space the question answering department uh has not said anything about the questions that are going to be asked i can just tell you it's going to be a television show and i readily admit to you that if you were to think that all of this was a sign of trouble, I understand. If this were happening to somebody else, I would look at all these things and say, hey, this looks like trouble. I can tell you confidently, though, it is not trouble. If it is, boy, somebody gonna have to tell me something. I need some explanation. Anyway, let us move on to your questions. Have you seen the theory that all of Kanye's recent actions are Joaquin Phoenix, Andy Kaufman-esque performance art? If so, do you think there's any chance that's true, or is it simply people missing the old Kanye? Now, yes, I saw an explanation Um that gave credence to the idea that this is, in fact, some measure of performance art. It was a Twitter th- Twitter thread that I saw, and I don't really have, like, I'm not trying to, you know, go back through it or anything like that. But I did see that, and it did make a pretty compelling case that this is, like, some Andy Kaufman-type stuff. And I had considered the possibility that this was an Andy Kaufman-type thing from the very beginning. Here's what I'll say with respect to that. For Kanye's sake, it will be far worse for him if this was just some performance art than it would be if he, like, actually believed this stuff that he's talking about and there was some measure of disconnect. Here's part of what the problem would be if it was performance art. That dude has sold his whole career via sincerity. Like sincerity is the engine that drives everything that he does. So if he were to come out and this is just some bullshit, even people who was rocking with him on what he's talking about are going to be furious, right? So you think about this. The new friends that he's got from this, if they find out that all he was doing was some jibber-jabber for art, 
they're not going to be so happy with it. And the people that he has offended in the course of this, while they believe it, are going to be offended that he ever did it in the first place because a significant number of them believe that the stakes are too high for Kanye to be out here playing games on some ha-ha, I was just playing. Like, that's not, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that are here for the jokes at this point. Yo, these are very tense times in America. People are not here for you to be playing with them in that way. Like, let me tell you something. Um, Whatever Kanye's doing, whatever the reason is that Kanye's doing it, it is a fair question to ask. Regardless of his motivations, is he getting enough to justify what could be like the effective end of his career? Like, I think this is turning into a thing that regardless of whether he believes what he's talking about or not, I think that this has turned into a thing that's gotten bigger than he realized that it was, right? And what do you do at this point? How do you get out of this? Like, what music are you going to put behind this to make all this stuff that's happened go away? Like, somebody's over here saying this is not the end of his career. No way. I'm telling you, depending on how this plays out. First of all, do not ignore the fact that what we're talking about here is a 40-year-old rapper. Like, I think we're going to, I'm going to talk a little bit more, like probably a little later about the coach piece about it, but he's a 40-year-old rapper. There ain't but so much time left in this that he was absolutely guaranteed. Now, yeah, he's got an army of youngsters that's out here dressing like him and wearing the Adidas and everything else, and maybe they don't really care about this, but no, 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 no. I think somebody, I saw something on Twitter where DJ was saying that he played, can't tell you, can't tell me nothing at the club, but it got booed. My man's here saying, but if the album is dope, we will forget. I'm not sure about that. Like, I am absolutely not sure about that. Like, how dope are people willing to acknowledge that the album actually is, regardless of how dope it is? Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to go for him. Because people like to pe- even... Like, so many people have been teetering on the brink with him from the beginning. And even people that are in his base are just like, yo, I don't know if I can rock with this. Like, they really don't. So, like, whatever game it is that he's playing out here, if it's a game that he's playing, it better be worth it for. Because I don't think he really did the math on what all he was stepping into at this point. And, I mean... I think it's somewhat hyperbolic to say that what he's doing is dangerous, right? Like, I'm not, I just, I just struggle with the idea that as important as Kanye is to music, I struggle with the idea that he's got this much power to where what he's doing is dangerous. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm there. I, 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 I just, I just, I just don't know if I am buying into the power, the power of Kanye uh, in that way. So dangerous, a little shaky. But it's more than he thought it was. It's absolutely more than he thought it was. And the part, though, that I do think is, like, interesting, even if I don't necessarily buy the idea that uh, Kanye is dangerous in doing this, but he is lending his platform to people who are now getting a lot more shine than they would get otherwise. 
And he's responsible for what happens as a result of that. Now, that there is real. All right. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Do you relate to Coach when he talks about having a certain level of having a certain level of fame and how it impacts you and or the people around you? Yeah. So this is an offshoot of the piece that Coach did on Kanye West for the Atlantic. And so, um, I mean, you guys know, like, I, like I fucks with Coach Heavy. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. Like, I look at him and his work as work that I wish I personally was capable of doing and do not believe. Um, that I am capable of doing. Now, this one he did on Kanye, I thought was very interesting. Like, if you ask me to, you know, like, get my Coats Hall of Fame, I don't think that this would wind up in it. But I saw, one, it is interesting now the way that I feel people treat and receive the things that he writes. There's much more inclination to go to a critical place about it because he's become so big and so visible at this point, I think the, the the criticisms that I saw more than anything else were a criticism of the idea that he said that Michael Jackson was a god of his time and Kanye is a god of his time. And I think that they were then making a comparison of Kanye to Michael Jackson as like musical god. But I don't think that that was the point. I thought his point and I, and I thought and I don't think I'm reaching here is he's saying about Mike that for a time where we had a distance as consumers from the celebrity types that we admired, Michael Jackson existed in a space where he used intrigue and mystery to fuel his persona. Kanye is now of this time of social media. And I think that like the term and the idea of social media, people just use it so broadly to explain anything. Like, what is it, man? It's just social media. But what has happened though in social media has become that people share more of their lives and more of their thoughts, the inconsequential ones. And it is kind of ironic that Kanye is using social media to share what he believes are consequential thoughts, and most people are there to offer the inconsequential, and then maybe pick up consequential ones from other people. But in this era of sharing where we talk too much, some could argue, Kanye West is a god of that time. And it is hard to argue against the idea that Kanye is a god of this time because all of this started with tweets. All of this started with Kanye sending tweets. And as much as you can say that Kanye ain't no musician on the level of Michael Jackson and nobody ever fainted because Kanye came on stage, all of that might be true. But you cannot deny the fact that in spite of the fact that very few people take this dude seriously, he says something crazy on the internet and we all react. You know, so I say I, I struggle with the idea that Kanye has that much power, but I mean, on a certain level, this is power that he's flexing demonstrated. I think we'd all agree there. Like it's hard to knock that notion. But anyway, I also thought that the next level of criticism of it that people made, like got where they were coming from, is the I like the way that Coates compared Mike and the burden of blackness to Kanye and the burden of blackness. So I've seen a lot of people that have said you can't compare Michael Jackson to Kanye because Michael Jackson never stopped, you know, associating with black people, doing things with black press, uh, so forth and so on. And the thing about Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson is a man born of a different era. Right? Boy, Gary, Indiana. Born you know, of the 1960s. 
Go look at what the demographic changes in Gary, Indiana were over that time. And like, go look up some of the people who were born in Gary, Indiana, and it might surprise you. For example, Dan Dockage works for ESPN. He was born in Gary, Indiana. Ain't no Dan, ain't, ain't no whole lot of Dan Dockage left in no Gary, Indiana these days, right? So think about what the circumstances were surrounding Gary, Indiana. And that is what Michael Jackson is of. That is what Michael Jackson is from. And you get to things where you hear Michael Jackson talk about, like, stuff on matters of race. Michael Jackson was not out here bowing down. No, sir, rebob. In fact, look at the Sony fight. Right? No, 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 no. That was not Michael Jackson. So, no, you cannot compare Michael Jackson to Kanye West in the sense that Michael Jackson would not be out here riding for Donald Trump. You cannot. But Coach's point was, at least as I read it, that the way that Michael Jackson altered his appearance, which is unquestionably about and down to measures of white supremacy. Right. I mean, there's just no, there's just no way around that. Right. That that is how Michael Jackson fleed from the burden of blackness where Kanye West is doing this in a different way. But what neither of them really had an appreciation for is how disheartening it is to watch them flee from this blackness and the effect that it then has on people who admire them and how they then view blackness in themselves. You know, so you got to remember Michael Jackson, like I think it was in that Steve Stout documentary with the tanning of America joint um, where he talked about how light-skinned you had to look to get on to video. In the 1980s, like go look at the changes in Whitney Houston's appearance. Look at the changes in Prince's appearance, Michael Jackson, other people like what the look was to get you on. Now, this dude in the chat room was talking about he had vitiligo. Vitiligo don't perm your hair like that, bro. Vitiligo don't make you reshape your nose like that, bro. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, like, there's just there's just no way around that. But they both fleed blackness in these different ways, and it's kind of the curse of the entertainer that there is a certain burden of the way that people look up to you. And the question is, what do you owe to the larger society when considering the impact of your actions as they speak publicly about blackness? I was like, my man here saying the Pepsi fire messed his hair up. Yeah. Because Michael Jackson wasn't straightening out his hair and nothing like doing nothing to his hair before the Pepsi fire, right? What are you doing? But anyway, that was as I read it. But now there's a part in there where Coach is talking about fame and what fame can do to you. And he used his own personal experience with the measure of fame that he has to talk about how in some ways the fame can be intoxicating and the other ways it can be problematic in the ways that it can affect your life. And I think, you know, he's making the point that like the little bit of fame that he's got, knowing what it is, imagine what it must be to be Michael Jackson or to be Kanye West or to be like any person as such. And here's the problem that he runs into right there. If you are going to talk about how hard it is to be famous, the beat better be fire. You understand what I'm saying? The beat better be fire. That's the only time people want to hear you talk about how difficult it is to be famous. Now, those of you who have listened to my podcast for a while know I do talk a lot about, like, 
what the changes are, like what this stuff is. But a lot of y'all, like I feel like the people who listen to this podcast is a much kind of like smaller group of people and more likely to be people that have been riding along with me for a very long time. So you've been you've been here for every step of this. So you understand that, like, I'm kind of fascinated by a lot of this. And I talk about it as a result. Um, But people don't really like hearing about it. They don't especially in the line of work that coach does because so many people want to be famous. Like so many people want to be in a place where people know who they are. They want that visibility and everything that comes with it. Like they just want it. And so they don't want to hear anybody talk about how difficult it is. And like, Oh my God, being famous is so hard and da 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 and all this stuff. But coach talked in that piece about um, like being at dinner and somebody sneaking a picture, right? I want you to imagine that you out at dinner, forget about being famous. Just imagine you being you, but you sitting at the table and you see somebody take a picture of you. Yo, motherfuckers be ready to fight over taking pictures of them that they don't want taken. I don't know if it is you think you the feds or anything else. Like I talked to my brother about this because my brother does like street photography and he was out like on 125th and he took a picture of somebody and they called him and now they wanted to run up on him. Like, people are not here for that. They're not here for that at all. At all. And I say this to somebody who takes lurking photographs, right? But, like, people don't like it. Now imagine that you got to be out of consideration to that, like, every time you go out the house. Like, not because you're wearing something crazy or no shit like that, just because you're going out the house. So, like, for coats, I can imagine how jarring that is. Like, at least I'm on TV. Right, like that's kind of a reasonable expectation of my line of work. Yeah, it's not a reasonable expectation of that man's line of work. And so this is not the first time that he's done something in discussing what fame was. And I understand why he's doing it. But I also have a measure of understanding for why it is that some other people do not necessarily feel like reading it. But I am just going to tell you, like speaking from my own personal firsthand experience, man, Never, ever, ever take for granted the benefit of your anonymity. I'm dead up about that. Don't you ever, ever, ever do that. It's just not something that you think about until something flips. Now, one thing I always say about myself and me personally dealing with fame or whatever. um, What keeps my situation in perspective is I think about the things that I find to be annoying, you know, like people staring at you, looking at you when you walk in a room all the time, um, feeling like they entitled to just come up and talk to you no matter what it is that you're doing, you know, those sorts of things. That just doesn't happen every day, right? But these are things that happen that are annoying to a degree. And basically all of them sound like, from what I've gathered, just kind of like what it's like to be a woman. You know what I mean? And I'm not even necessarily saying like a good looking woman. Like just a woman. You know, just a woman. Like this has got to be what it is. Like I was, uh, it'd be like wild stuff that happened. Nah, I ain't going to tell that story. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, it's just that's just it. I just don't know 
as a reader, like my perspective as a reader is affected one by the fact that I write, like that's kind of what I do. It's also affected by the fact that like, in this case, I know the writer and I can personally relate to what it is that he's talking about. I just don't know if it's possible to write that sort of thing without people thinking that you stunt. And unfortunately the fact that people are overwhelmingly haters, um, makes it more likely that they think you just done. But I read the piece twice. I probably need to read it a third time, but I thought it was good. I don't know if I thought it was great, but I did think that it was good. Appreciate the question. By the way, shout out to this dude, Kyle, who's in the chat room. That's like, so imagine what famous women go through. You just wanted to be able to say something. It feel like you was making a point, didn't you? Didn't you? Uh, somebody in the chat room, you listen on the podcast, you know, this don't matter to you. But somebody in the chat room says, have you told us about this painting behind you? Ah, it's painting I bought. Ain't really no, like, story behind it. Thought it was dope. All right, let me see what else we got here. What do you think about the University of Florida graduates getting rushed off the stage? Y'all see this? That's all oh, at Florida's graduation. Uh, some... African-Americans that were members of uh, Greek letter organizations. They did that. They, they did their little strolls um, across the stage and you know, it's whatever. No big deal. I took a, I took my sweet time getting across the stage when I graduated from college. Um, But there was some faculty member. I don't know which one or who he was because as it goes in these situations, they make sure you'll never find out who these people are. But the dude was like physically getting people off the stage, like wrapping his arms around them to get them off the stage and see if the question you ask is, do I have a problem with them being rushed off the stage? Then the answer is no. I think it was perfectly appropriate to rush them off the stage because I don't know if you noticed, but that's a lot of people that's graduating. I don't blame them at all for trying to keep it moving, but you can't be out here putting your hands on people. Like that was my thing. It's like, you can't just be out here like physically pushing them off the stage in that way. And on top of it, um, I don't know what time that graduation was, but just so you know, they ain't had a graduation yet that was too early for people to be drunk. Like, you mess around and get the raw one and see what happened. Yeah, so that's wild, but like that, that, whoever did that, like, I don't know how exactly you're supposed to handle that because I do think that that merits some level of discipline. Like, I don't know what it is that you do, but I'd love to hear an interview with that person or just to have some idea of what kind of scholarship that person does. It'd be fun to look up their work, see if there's any surprise in their behavior based upon what they have contributed to the zeitgeist. Appreciate that question. Let me see what else we got here. Is Donald Glover bordering Kung Fu Kyrie territory? I'm not sure the second half of Atlanta or his Saturday Night Live performance 
had much of a deeper message, yet I've been saying a lot of they're going to study this in colleges one day, praise. All right, so on one level of this is the idea, yeah, like that, that we're going to study this in colleges in colleges one day, praise. Here's what I say about that, just like that simple type of statement. There's no way in hell you know that after two days. Like, ain't nobody putting that on the curriculum tomorrow. If that video was as deep as people believe that it is, then you don't even know if you can put that in the college class or nothing like that right now. Now, I thought the Saturday Night Live performance was cool. I think so. I think that Donald is kind of inhabiting a very interesting space right now, which is that Atlanta has been successful enough that people are just kind of letting him do whatever it is that he wants to do. They're letting him do the music he wants to do on the television show. I mean, the Teddy Perkins thing was 41 minutes straight with no commercials. Like they're absolutely letting him do what he wants to do in a way that for me as a person who creates content is crazy admirable, right? Regardless of how I feel about what the content is, he's getting to do what he wants to do. And that's hard to find in this business. Like, that's really, really hard to find. But this last video, I think I agree with the people who watched it and felt like to make the points that he appeared to be trying to make, they're not made with a black person perpetrating the violence. Like, I don't get the point that you're trying to make if you're kind of looking at it like it's Emmanuel, the church, and then you as black person are the one with the AR-15 shooting them down. Like, I don't really know what it is that you're going for on that one. Like, I know he had what Trayvon Martin's father playing the guitar at the beginning and stuff. Like, I thought it was visually very good, and I'm willing to entertain the possibility that there's a level of depth that I don't appreciate right now. But this is not like the greatest video that I've ever seen. This isn't like the bombest thing that I've ever seen. I did think that the first song he did on Saturday Night Live, the upbeat joint, I thought that one was good. Like, I think as far as music goes, I think that's better than This Is America. But Donald's at a place. So does he talk about how deep all this shit is, or does everybody else do it for him? Oh, the Trayvon Martin's father thing was not true. Got it. But, like, is he saying how deep this stuff is or is everybody else saying how deep this stuff is? Because it feels like everybody else is saying how deep this is. Like, Teddy Perkins, I have it upon pretty good authority that a lot of the depth that people are saying that they got from that is just what we've decided. Like, it wasn't necessarily that. I don't know. Like, I think that video was certainly intended to have a measure of depth, but I don't really understand it because as of right now. Um, but I think that a lot of people who are observing him need to be careful to not allow the over the top nature of the way people are praising him to like affect the way that you view his work. Because I don't think all the obnoxious stuff that people are saying about his work is his fault. But it's not confirmed to me that we're dealing with a genius. Like, I think he is a very, very, very talented performer. But I don't know if I'm going all the way to genius. You see, it's interesting because I've seen people compare Donald Glover to Jamie Foxx. And 
I don't know as much about Jamie Foxx as like a writer and creator of things, but like just as a performer, you are out of your mind if you think that Donald Glover is in the same zip code as Jamie Foxx. Like as a stand-up comedian, as a singer, no, 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 no. Donald ain't that. Now I'd say that Jamie Foxx doesn't have any album that's like is interesting sonically as like Awaken My Love or like takes the chances that Donald has taken musically. But he ain't Jamie Foxx. And that's no slight to Donald Glover. Jamie Foxx is just like something special. And the guy here is saying to get where Donald is, there is a certain level of genius. Kyle, what the fuck does that mean? Like, you don't have to have a level of genius to get to where he is. You don't. And that's not to say that the work he's doing is not smart or is not clever or anything else, or that it's not good. Like, a lot of it is very, very, very good. I just feel like genius is going a step too far right now. Like, maybe he'll put out his magnum opus that makes me look up at it and be like, nah, man, this dude is a genius in our time. It is possible that that can happen. I just don't think that what he's offered yet reaches that point. But God bless him, man. And I'm serious about that when I say God bless him. God bless him. Because I just can't imagine the fights that he had to put up to get into the places, to get to the position, to do all these things that he wants to do. Right? Like, I aspire to have, like, the kind of creative freedom that he has gotten. And not only do I aspire to have the creative freedom to get to where he's gotten, I aspire to have enough ideas to be able to put all that freedom on the road. Like, I couldn't come up with all, like, the basic idea of doing that stuff. I don't think I could come up with it. I don't. So I do not want you to at all think I'm hating. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. What is the most awkward situation that you have been put into because of a fan? That's a good question. Um, well, awkward in terms of in-person encounters. I did have this one time that I was like leaving out of the radio studio at the Clevelander to go to the bathroom. And some person had gotten on the floor because you can't get to that. You're not, like, there's nothing on that floor for people who stay at the hotel or who are visiting. And so he accidentally wound up on that floor and then he saw me and then he was shocked. And so he was like, oh, wow, Bomani. I said, yeah, what's up? And then I went down to the bathroom. And then I come back up. I'm trying to like wait it out and hope he leaves, right? Because it's a kind of tight space. Oh, no, that's what it was. I was walking out and he's like, hey, Bomani, what's going on? I'm like, hey, how are you? And I was about to like lead to go to the bathroom and the dude put his hand on my chest like stop and i'm like what and so i got his hand off and then like i heard him walking around trying to find where i was yeah 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 yeah. like y'all don't get it man people do stuff like this like people like the the wild stories are the ones that I won't tell you. Like, I'll tell you the ones that are just kind of funny and things like that. But no, man, people do like wild, like sometimes borderline scary things on this. 
But this is probably the most awkward. So I was once, uh, when I worked at the radio station in Raleigh, they had done a promotion where they would allow, like, a listener could win and come in and do an hour of the show. And so this gentleman and his wife um, had come to do the show. And so they were doing the morning show. The morning show ran from 6 to 10. At that time, I would get to work probably about 8 o'clock or so, stop in and get a breakfast sandwich, come into work. And so I'm there, and I'm just over in the corner eating my sandwich, and they had gotten done with their hour, and they're walking out, and they over, and they saw that I was over there in the corner. And I heard the dude say, hey, is that Bomani? And somebody said, yeah, and they're like, can we talk to him? And somebody asked if he could come over. They come over. And I said, yeah. And I said, cool. And so he came over. And so is the man and his wife. And as I recall, it was a uh, rather diminutive uh, gentleman of European descent. And this pretty cute Nubian princess. And so he comes over and he's, you know, doing all the talking like hey man you know no it's great to meet you you know all that stuff and he's got the look in his eye like he's really happy to meet me this is a great day for him right like if he listens to the radio station like that he got to come up and do the radio show and then he's getting to meet you know other people who are there dude i look over at her and you got to understand that i am not a person who notices if you're like looking at me like that like, I'm, I'm just not. Wait, I looked over at her. I was like, oh, hey, hi. How are you? It's it's good to see you. And I'm looking at him. And he ain't got no idea. And I'm like, man, could you please wrap this up? Like I would, I would, I would greatly appreciate it uh, if you wrap this up. Like in fact, the other day I was in Miami. I'm getting ready to go uh, catch my flight, and I see this woman, and she stops in front of me. She's like, "Can I take a picture?" And so I assume when they go straight to, "Can I take a picture?" You know who I am, and I'll typically ride with it. But I would appreciate like generally some level of conversation. But she's like all big eyed. She's like. Oh my god, my phone, my phone is dead. Um, but my boyfriend's here, and so she calls her boyfriend over, and so they're both there. And my initial belief is that this is similar to the story I just told you, you know, in terms of like what the deal was. Except he was acting the exact same way. Like they was both just, 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 just there. And then the dude tells me he's like, yeah, 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 you blocked me, man. I was like, well, what did you say? Oh, man, I don't even remember, man. But, you know, I'd I, I be trolling sometime, man. I'd be, I be, I be trolling sometimes. But, you know, but I still follow you on Instagram. And, you know, I still, I still, I still, you know, check you out there. Um, and then I'm looking at her, and she's so excited. And then we took the selfie. We're like, are, 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 we, are, 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 are we being too much like fans? Are we, are we fanning out right now? I'm like, no, nah, man, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. You know, I kept it moving. But I was like, but I got to catch this flight. Yeah, these things happen. Like somebody told me don't block me bow in, in real life. No, unblock me bow happens a lot in real life. Like one cat came up to me and asked me to unblock him. And, I, and his explanation for why I should have unblocked him was because it really wasn't him. 
it was his partners. And I remember this. It was like a bunch of Nigerian dudes, and they was trying to talk down to me, and it was something on the basis of the fact that they went to Columbia, right? So they were, like, trying to education floss on me. And number one, you ain't really going to do that to me generally because, like, I'm glad that you went to Columbia, but I'm probably smarter than you. Um, the other level is that I just find that behavior to be totally unseemly. And by the time this had happened, which I believe is like 2012 or maybe 2013, by then I was already making a lot of money. Like not like a lot of money, but like I was making a lot of money. You were not, one thing you're not about to do is impress me by telling me about how you paying like $75,000 a year to go to school. Because I ain't paying nothing. And you probably ain't going to make the bread I make. Like, yeah, you ain't going to do that. But when the dude explained to me what his crew was about, I was like, oh, y'all a bunch. Y'all on some bullshit. No, I ain't unblocking you. I have occasionally unblocked some people just on the strip. Like, I've been like, okay, I was tripping. I do do that from time to time. I'm a nicer guy than a lot of y'all would believe. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. I think I'll take one more. Again, I apologize for being late. I saw you mention on Twitter that Crit Was Here was the soundtrack to your career. Can you expand on that a bit? Sure. So I was aware of Crit Was Here um, in the summer of 2010, right? So that's like my second year on Twitter. And so my man Wiley Sparks hit me. And I didn't realize at the time that Wally was working with Crit. But Wally hit me because we've been on Twitter talking about music, you know, for a lot of time and stuff like that. And Wally said, look, this dude is like a combination of T.I., Pimp C, and A-Ball and MJG. Like, that's what his music is putting together. I need you to check this out. And so I checked it. And I was 100% absolutely blown away. Like, I was blown away by the sound. I was blown away by the passion. I was blown away by the perspective, all of it. And it had kind of this, like, neoclassical sort of feel for those of us who loved music of, like, Gulf Coast music of, like, the late 90s and early 2000s, like, somewhere in there. Like, I, I was just all the way there. Now, what you got to understand, though, for me, about 2010, and me and Wally have talked about this, like, as it was going on. 2010 was when I was working at The Score, so I got this show on Sirius. And so while I'm, while I'm doing the show on Sirius, I'm starting to do, like, I'm starting to get back in at ESPN. I'm starting to do, you know, outside the lines appearances. This is before I started doing Around the Horn, right? Like, I started doing outside the lines appearances. I was writing for the website again. Like I just kind of like was getting back there. Like it was kind of a slow burn. And so the summer of 2010, I had this moment where this was after LeBron had gone to Miami and Jesse Jackson had said that Dan Gilbert responded to it like a slave master. And so outside the lines called me to do the show, but I was in Toronto doing some work with the score. I did not pack a jacket and shirt for that trip to Toronto. Cause I didn't think they called me to do any television, but they called me to do it. I felt awful that day. Like I had a headache. My stomach was sour. I just felt really bad that day. 
but I had agreed to do this. So I go to the mall. I got to go buy a sport coat and a shirt, pay like $200 Canadian to get that stuff. I remember I went to the, uh, to the Sky Dome, to the Rogers Center to do the appearance. And I went and did it. And it was me. It was Chris Sheridan. And this dude, uh, I think his name is Dennis Mandeloff. He writes for the paper in Cleveland. And I was on fire, fire. Do you realize how on fire you got to be to get on television and to defend Jesse Jackson when he makes a comparison to slavery and to walk out of there and have people be like, yo, he just wrecked that shit. Like, no lie. I came out of there. I remember I still had a Blackberry at that time. Did I have a Blackberry? I think I had a Blackberry. Anyway, I checked my, like, that was at a time where I used to have a column open to search for my name because I had so few Twitter followers and my thing was building that I kept a column open under Bomani in case people were trying to find me so that I could tell them where I was. People did post about me or whatever. So I remember I searched for Bomani and it just lit up with, Yo, Bomani killed that. Yo, Bomani killed that. Yo, Bomani killed that. Just like up, down, up, down, up, down the whole way. Like I just served him cats. And that was for me like kind of the beginning of all the other stuff that then subsequently happened. Like I think that might have been the first time or one of the first times that my agent had seen me uh, on television. I hadn't been on first take before that. I got on first take after doing that like that was that was like not a star turn necessarily but it was kind of a star turning sort of moment for me where people looked up and was like yo who was that dude like that in a lot of ways for me that moment was um my crit was here you know like the first time that people were really seeing it and then it was building and so my career was building and had been building kind of at a corresponding pace in a corresponding space as his was at that time. So when that record came out and then R4 came out not long after that, it's like I was really, really rocking with it. And then, you know, because I'm cool with Wiley, then I meet him. Like I put it, I did an interview with him on the score. He didn't even do it on the radio. I just recorded it and put it out as a podcast. You know what I'm saying? So like we do that. And I had made a decision at that point that this dude had a sound and a vibe that I wanted, that I saw as being similar to what I wanted people to feel when they consume my work. And that was something. And that was somebody that I wanted to align myself with. Like I wanted to send the message that this is the kind of stuff that I'm into. And that if you're into like the vibe and the feel and the aesthetic and like the emotional resonance of what's going on there, then you're going to be down with the same stuff it is that I'm doing. Cause I'm coming from the same, a similar place. We doing similar things. This is who we are, you know? So for me, like that's a real time and place record for me because as it was the beginning for that dude, it was the beginning for me. And I was beginning to go to places that I honestly, for me to get to and so we fast forward like seven years i'm at uh seven like almost eight years i'm at the roots jam session 
uh, on the weekend of the Grammys on Saturday night. And I look over and crit over on the wall. He's like headphones all listening to his songs because he's performing that night. Dapped him up, you know, and like he grow bad now. They use like 23, 24 when I met him, dude, in his 30s at this point. Um, you know, I got the things going on that I got going right now. And it was just like for me, I mean, it don't mean the same thing to him. But to me, it's a, like a very interesting moment. And like kind of considering that even without like really knowing that dude, right? Like if I need to, if I wanted to call him and ask him a question right now, I could, but I don't like know him like that. But like without even like really knowing that dude, that I look at him and like see, I see me, like I see where I was and I see where I've gone. And yeah, like it's it's just a very interesting connection with that record and where I am in my life and how I got there. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this thing here about once a week, give or take. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. I will talk to you guys soon. Take it easy.